Okay, we're going to start here on the bottom of Mem Hayim Bad. Gemara yesterday left off with the discussion about Rabbi Yochanan's position with regards to Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Shimon. Gemara began with a statement from Kiyata Rabbi Yitzchak, Rabbi Yosef, I'm Rabbi Yochanan, Allah Rabbi Yehuda. The Allah was like Rabbi Yehuda. Then the Gemara says, I'm Rabbi Yosef, I know the Amr Rabbi Rachana, Rabbi Yochanan. Well, now I understand that statement, which was Amru Allah Rabbi Shimon. Amru Vilelo Svirle. They said the Allah is like Rabbi Shimon, but he doesn't hold of that position. That helps me understand that. So Abayi then says to Rav Yosef, You don't think that Rabbi Yochanan holds like Rabbi Yehuda? Why don't you think that? Don't we have this story? Ha, Rabbi Abba, Rabbi Asi, Rabbi Abba, Demin Chaifa, Nafa, Minarta, Glimei, Rabbi Asi, Noro, the candelabra fell over onto the cloak of Rabbi Asi, Velo Tiltala, he refused to pick it up. My time, La Mishum de Rabbi Asi, Tamide de Rabbi Yochanan, Hava. Isn't it because Rabbi Asi is the student of Rabbi Yochanan? And Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Yehuda muksa. So that's why he didn't pick it up. Tosafot does point out that this Rabbi Asi must be different than the other Rabbi Asi that we know because you know, Rabbi Asi was also a Talmud of Rav. So why is the Gemara talking about Rabbi Asi being ta- Talmud of Rabbi Yochanan was the Talmud of Rav? Tosafot here does what he does in many places in Shah, says that there are two Rabbi Asis and they're different contemporaries. One's a contemporary of Rabbi Kahana and one is a contemporary of Rabbi Ami. So the Gemara says, Amalei, Nartar Gamart. Talking about Kentalabra, I'm an art shiny. That's a totally different category. Kentalabra, you can pick up with one hand. Mutar, Then you can pick it up. You can move it around on Shabbat. Shteyadav, Asur If you can, it takes two hands to move it. It's a heavy Kentalabra. Then you can't move it on Shabbat. Rabbi Yochanan Anu, Enlanu, Elobiner, Kirabi Shimon. We only have the Psakalocha in there like Rabbi Shimon. Ava Menorah, Benit Labi Adoachat, Benit Labi Shteyadava, Sur the Tautala. Yochanan relegates Psakalocha like Rabbi Shimon only by Ner. Ner is what we saw in our Mishnah, which is Ner Chadash, Ner Yashan. Only in a Ner Yashan where Rabbi Huda says it's Maus. He says it's Muksa. Rabbi Shimon says there is no Muksa Machmat Mius. He says there the Locha is like Rabbi Shimon. But when we talk about Menorah, doesn't matter, one hand, two hands. Asur, Sounds like over here that Rabbi Yochanan didn't paskin like Rabbi Shimon with regards to Muksa Machmat Mius, but with regards to the Menorah, there is clear that he thinks that the Aloha is not that way. And with time am I? What's the reason over here? So Rabbi of Rabbi Yosef Damri Tarvayu, Ho Adam Koveya Lo Makom. The person designates a place for these items. What does that mean that he designates a place for this item? We know that even Rabbi Shimon holds that there are certain types of muksot, like simukim and grugarot, which are things that are totally outside of your realm on Shabbat, or other things that have no purpose on Shabbat. Even Rabbi Shimon agrees that there's muksa. Remember before we had with the nair that had the oil in it, he agreed if it was oil that you didn't expect to extinguish on Shabbat itself, that was still considered to be muksa. So here, something that's koveil makom means that you establish a pace for it, you don't expect the item to be moved from its particular location. Since you don't expect to move from that particular location, you don't have in mind to utilize such an item over Shabbat, or it's not within your world of Helene that you would engage with on Shabbat. Time of my Rabbi Yosef says, because Adam Kovelo Makom. What about the Kilat Chadanim, which is the newlyweds bed? Their day, most of their beds had canopies over them. There are different ways to hold up a canopy over the bed. You can hold up a bed canopy with four poles, four posts that hold up the canopy over the bed. The other way you could have a canopy, which is what the Gemara calls kilat chatanim, is that you only have a single post at each end, and the canopy is like a tent. 
over the bed. What I'm right here is a kilat chatanim, which is a tent-like cover or canopy over the bed. There, a person a kovelo makom, a person doesn't move that around. You can put it up and take it down on Shabbat. Here he's talking about the canopy itself that you can take out and put down on Shabbat. That's because it's not an ohel. In order to be an ohel, you need a minimum of a tefach. We said before on Friday we mentioned that it has to be a tefach cubed. But you at least need at the top of the ohel, where it comes to a point, that there's a tefach space. With the kilat chatanim, it never has a tefach between the two points at the peak of the canopy. Had it been wider like this, it was possible that there was a tefach up there. Because it's narrow at the top, it never allows for a tefach of space at the top. It doesn't qualify as an ohel. Since it doesn't qualify as an ohel, you can, on Shabbat, you can put it on, take it off. It has no impact. But here you have something that's your kovel makom. Yeah, we don't see any problem with engaging with this item on Shabbat. We don't see it being a problem in terms of muksa. We're talking about here a menorah that's made out of parts. It's not a single unit, but made out of discrete parts. The problem is that we're making Rabbi Yochanan so good, and at a certain point you have to ask, what is Rish Lakish's opinion? So now we're saying the problem with the menorah is that it's made out of pieces and parts. So you're not allowed to take it apart, put it together on Shabbat. If that's the case, then why does Rabbi Shlokish say that it's fine? My chuliot. So Agamar says, what are these component parts that we're talking about? Ke'en chuliot. Just like what you were just saying. They're not really component parts, but they eat by chidke. Right? They make it look like it has parts. They carve into the menorah, carve in lines that makes it look like it's made out of component parts. Hilka. Here's the conclusion from this. Chuliot ben gdola ben ktana asura letaltala. If it really does break down into pieces or parts, then everybody agrees that it's a surah. That's mean Rabbi Yochanan and Rish Lakish both agree that you can't engage with such a menorah on Shabbat. It's also clear when you have a very large menorah where it's common to have it made out of component parts. The larger the menorah, the more likely it is that it's made out of parts instead of one whole piece. So over there, even when it's not made out of chuliot, but it's marked as being looking like it has component parts to it, that everybody agrees is Xera Atu Chuliot. Where is their Machloket? Kiplige. Their Machloket revolves around one instance, which is Biktana Deepa Chidki. It's in a case where you have a small menorah that has these lines that demarcate what would make it look like it has parts to it. So over there, Iktana, it's not always that it has parts to it. It's not even necessarily common that it has parts to it. But here where it looks like it has parts to it, Marsavar Gazrina, Rabbi Yochanan says, we are Gazr Otu, a menorah katana that that has parts. Well, Marsavar Lo Gazrina, and Rish Lakish believes that we are not Gozer in that case. You're right, the Chuliot themselves, inherently there's nothing wrong with the menorah that has Chuliot to it. The problem is that you might take it apart, put it together. Even that is not so straightforward. Because the Gemara in Beitzah says that the Menorah Shokuliot, Beitzah says, Mutar, carry around on Shabbat, Ein Binyan B'Kelim. Binyan only applies to structures, not to Kelim. It's a Machloket B'Chemayim B'Tilal in the Gemara in Beitzah as to whether there is Binyan Kelim or Ein Binyan B'Kelim. And therefore, it's not so simple over here what we're talking about in terms of Chuliot. The Re wants to differentiate between those cases and said it depends on what type of chuliot we're talking about. Are we talking about chuliot that are loose, then you put them together and they stay like that? There, Tilo believes there's ein binyan bikelim. But over here, maybe we're talking about chuliot that attach firmly and stick in place, or they lock into place somehow, and therefore even Beitilo might agree that there is binyan bikelim over here. You're right, inherently there's nothing wrong with carrying a menorah that has chuliot. What we're afraid of is the dismantling and bringing it back together afterwards.
So based on this, we're at a point here, we're trying to discover, understand Rabbi Yochanan's position. So he said that, Rabbi Yosef said, I, I didn't know that Rabbi Yochanan held like Rabbi Yehuda, until I got this memra from Yitzchak for Rabbi Yosef. And when he came and brought that memra, told us about it, that's how I knew that Rabbi Yochanan passed the ke Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi says, how did you not know that Rabbi Yochanan passed the ke Rabbi Yehuda? We have this case with Rabbi Yassi. Rabbi Yassi, who's his Talmud, would not pick up a menorah on Shabbat. That means he must subscribe to the position of Rabbi Yehuda. Jesus says, wait a minute, menorah, menorah is a totally different category. Menorah is a category, has its own category of muksa, and I can't prove anything from that, because that, even possibly Rabbi Shimon would agree that there's a problem in terms of menorah. Menorah, either because kovela makom, where you put it out of mind, out of sight, out of mind, and therefore it has a din in muksa, even according to Rabbi Shimon, or it could be this problem of chuliot. Problem of chuliot also might apply. It's not necessarily a din in Muksa, It's a din in binyan bekelim. There's other issues that are involved here, and even Rabbi Shimon would acquiesce in that case. Just so you know, alocha. This idea of kovei alomakom does have impact in terms of Shabbat. For instance, you have a picture that's hanging on the wall. Can you move a picture that hangs on the wall on Shabbat? That's something that you're kovei alomakom. You designate it as its own unique and special place. And uh, therefore, maybe you should not be able to move it at all on Shabbat. It really becomes muksa because not because of anything inherent about it, but just because it has a designated place, and you assume you're not going to move it at all on Shabbat. Turns out it's machloket of Moshe and the Chazanish as to whether, with regards to pictures on the wall, you're allowed to move them at all, shift them because of this din of muksa. If it's something so valuable that you wouldn't move it anyway, then there's nothing to speak about because that's muksa machmat chisaron kis. But here we're speaking about a picture that is not so valuable, whether you're allowed to move it once it's hung on the wall. The Chazanish says that you cannot move it; it's still considered to be muksa because of its designation in the place. On the other hand, by Moshe Feinstein says that it is okay to move it because there's no din of muksa here. It's something that you would move otherwise or anyway. Gemara says, Rabbi Yochanan hochi. So now the Gemara assumes, okay, we know that Rabbi Yochanan now holds like Rabbi Yehuda because of the member that was brought from Yitzchuk Rabbi Yosef that Rabbi Yochanan says, Aloha ke Rabbi Yehuda. And now we know Rabbi Yosef says when he said Aloha Rabbi Shimon, he didn't mean Aloha Rabbi Shimon. He just says, they said it's Aloha Rabbi Shimon. I don't hold like that. So now he does, he holds like Rabbi Yehuda. The Gemara says, can he really hold like Rabbi Yehuda? Why? Because Rabbi Yochanan, see on the Besar of the Shas on the side here, this is a problem that Rabbi Yochanan runs to throughout Shas. Because Rabbi Yochanan has a principle, which is, and Rabbi Yochanan, Allah is Mishnah. Rabbi Yochanan believes that the Allah is like a Mishnah. And many times in Shas, the Gemara runs into a problem, because Rabbi Yochanan has a Shito, he passes like someone. And then there's a Stam Mishnah that disagrees. And then we go, well, what are we going to do now? Rabbi Yochanan, Allah is Mishnah. Many times the Gemara says, Shnei Amoraim, Alibid Rabbi Yochanan. Two different Amoraim in the Shita of Rabbi Yochanan. Over here, the Gemara does something similar, but something interesting. Halacha Kistam Mishnah. What's the Stam Mishnah? The Mishnah we saw on Friday. It's not. Much Nishala. Vizvanji Nishmetet, Ein Chiburla, Vein Nidel, Detima, Vein Matzel, Detima, Beoela Meit, Vein Gorinata Bishabat, Vizvanji Shalem Alt. So this is the Mishnah from Kilim that we saw on Shabbat. Rashi said, Much Nishala is the wheel. Of the wagon that's used to carry men and women. It's a carriage of some sort that has a wheel on it. And the time when the wheel dismantles or comes off of the carriage, then you have all these dinim. We had the shita of the riva who said that it's also talking about a carriage. But the question here is not about the mukni itself, about the wheel itself, but rather there's some sort of hole in the agala and the wheel covers that hole. And then we had the rabbinu tam who suggested that it's actually not a wagon, but a kan. It's talking about a base that you have something on top, some sort of receptacle on top, 
and the receptacle sits on a base, and that base, whether it has wheels or doesn't have wheels, whatever it is that it's sitting on that base, and again, the question there was about a hole in the base. If they separate, I mean, it comes apart from the base, how attached are they considered? Now, for the first two items, everybody agrees about what the issue is. Ain't chiburla. It does not pass tumah from one to the other. If the mukhni becomes tamay, the agala is not impacted, or if the agala becomes tamay, the mukhni is not impacted, because they're considered to be separate kelim, separate items. So that everybody agrees, basically, what the halachic parameters are. It's not measured with it. Again, this is for a pleates. It's not able to be moved around. We said before on Friday, if you have a cleates that's too big, it's not a kabul tumah because it's not a kli, because cleates is dumia de sak. And just like sak can be carried around full and empty, so too you have to have a cleates that can be carried around full and empty. The qualification for that is 40 sa'ah bilach, shame kurayim biyavesh. If it holds that quantity, then it's no longer classified as a kli. So over here, when you're measuring that quantity, this wheel or this base does not count towards that measurement. Then, And it doesn't save by olamet. Here is where those three different shitot have an impact. Rashi shita is underneath the wagon. When you're underneath the wagon, the wagon itself creates an ohel. So anything above the wagon is protected from tumah. But things that overhang the wheel are not protected from tumah, because the wheel is not part of the ohel. And therefore, things that hang over the side of the wagon over the wheel are not protected in olamet. That's Rashi shita. Both according to the Riva and the Rabbeinu Tam, the question is that Tuma can access an OL if there's a poteach tefach. If you have a opening or a window that's a tefach by a tefach, that allows Tuma to pass into the item. So here you have an agala, or some sort of receptacle, that has a hole in it that's bigger than a tefach by a tefach. But when you place it onto the item, whether it's the wheel into the wagon, or it's the receptacle on the base, it diminishes that hole doesn't cover it completely, but diminishes the hole. So then it covers over some hole, whether it's the hole in which the wheel is placed, or whether there's a, a hole on the side of the wagon that the wheel covers up. Either way, that covering of the hole diminishes the size of the hole to less than a tavach by a tavach, but does not cover it completely. It covers it completely, everybody agrees, then it's sealed. But if it doesn't cover it completely, is this enough to be classified as plugging the hole, not to allow tuma? Here it says nishmetit, it comes apart. The fact that it comes apart won't allow it, as the Mishnah says, to protect against Tumah from getting in there. That's the way the Rabbeinu Tam and Rivah read it. This is the Rabbeinu Tam's main issue with Rashi is, nobody stores money in a wheel. So we explained on Friday what the question is. The question is, if it's in the Agala, the money's in the Agala, Tosfa pointed out, then you have a Basis Ledavar Asur Umutar. The wagon's used for multiple items, including the money. But it also has a head there in there. So therefore you could still move the wagon if the money was in the wagon. Once the money's on the wheel, the wheel is supporting nothing besides the money. Then it becomes a buses ledavar asur. That's the case, you can't move the wheel. Can't move it at all. So then the diok we made out of this Mishnah is ha'en alea ma'ot sharia. Then if there was no money on the wheel, then it's mutar. Even though the money was there for the entire beshut and benishmashot. When the money's there, the entire benish mashot, that means migo didkatse benish mashot, didkatse the gulei yoma. Should be muksa for the entire day. So how come here, when the money comes off the wheel, you're allowed to move the wheel on Shabbat? The Gemara's answer on Friday was, Rabbi Shimon. That Mishnah is authored by Rabbi Shimon. Virav ke Rabbi Yehuda And Rav holds like Rabbi Yehuda. That's the way the Gemara answered on Friday. But now we have a problem. Rabbi Yochanan just basking like Rabbi Yehuda. We're saying the author of this Mishnah is Rabbi Shimon. This is a Stam Mishnah in Kalim. That says, Allah is like Rabbi Shimon. 
And Rabbi Yochanan says, Allahu Gestam Mishnah. That means Rabbi Yochanan's passing like Rabbi Shimon. So Rabbi Zera, Day Mishnah Teno, Shloa, you alay ma'ot, Chol ben Ashmashot, Shol Ishbor, Dvarab, Shol Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Zera says, let's make a new Kimta in that Mishnah. Don't make the diuk that we said. The money wasn't there, Chol ben Ashmashot. That doesn't seem to be the simplest reading of the Mishnah. You're right. But I'd rather do that than break Rabbi Yochanan's position. Knowing that Rabbi Yochanan holds like Rabbi Yehuda, knowing that Rabbi Yochanan passes like Mishnah, I'd rather reread the Mishnah in a slightly dochuk way in order to protect all the positions of Rabbi Yochanan. And so basically what the conclusion is that the money wasn't there called Benesh Mashot. It was there like Dushar Shabbat when you entered Shabbat and therefore it's Muqsib. But if it comes off, then it won't be a problem because it wasn't there the whole Benesh Mashot. And it's not there the whole Benesh Mashot. We don't have Migo de Katze. So you don't have Migo de Katze, then you can explain why when the money comes off, there's no problem Muqsib even in Shita to Rabbi Yehuda. So now, Amr Rabbi Shimon Levi, Pamachat Allah, Rabbi Lid, Diyus Para, Vore, Biminorak, Rabbi Shimon Biner. He makes some sort of a cryptic statement, which is he paskin in Minorah, like Rabbi Shimon by Ner. Well, there are two different issues. One is Ner and one is Minorah. Ner, we know, is the Mishnah that we had, which is Ner Chadash, Ner Yashan, that Rabbi Shimon doesn't hold the Muxa Mahmat Mius. Now, Muxa Mahmat Mius is not really relevant by Minorah. Minorah is usually referring to a candelabra that's made out of matechet, made out of metal. And we already saw that even Rabbi Yehuda agreed that when it came to metallic candelabras, there's no dinner muksam achmat mius. So the two really have nothing to do with each other. That's what Tosavot says. They're not related. The two alochot were totally separate. Rashi over here, when the Gemara poses the question, now says, was it horachat, one psak, or two psiske halocha? Tosavot says he doesn't see that because he says there's no correlation or connection between them. If you think of menorah's muksa, it has nothing to do with an air being muksa. One is Muqsa Mahmat Yus and one is Muqsa Mahmat Isur. Well, how do you connect the two together? They, they don't have the same Psaq Alokha. So he disagrees the way Rabbi Rashi formulates the question here. But the Gemara asks, Sibailu, Horeb bin Minorah, ki Rabbi Shimon, bin Ner lehatera. Did he paskin in Minorah like Rabbi Shimon, the way that Rabbi Shimon paskins in Ner for Heter? That's what he said by Minorah also. Odumah, Horeb bin Minorah lehisura, uk Rabbi Shimon bin Ner lehatera. Or does he paskin in Minorah lehisura? Whereas by Rabbi Shimon by Ner, he paskins and the Gemara leaves that as a teiku. Doesn't know which way it went. Again, does he separate between the halachot? Repeating again what Tosfot said, which is that there is no connection between the halachot. Doesn't mean just because one is true, the other one has to be true. It's a question of how he paskin because of the cryptic way that the Mesorah came down from Rabbi. Did he paskin in Ner, which is an independent statement, by Ner, by a Kli Cheres, that's Maus. Does he paskin of Muqsa Machman Mius? Or does he not paskin like Muqsa Machman Mius? And then by Menorah, does he pass him that there's a problem with Menorah because of Muqsa Mahmad Isur, or not? The Gemara says, is he saying Muqsa Mahmad Isur is a problem, but Muqsa Mahmad Isur is not a problem, therefore he passes Menorah problematic, Nair is okay. Or he's saying there's no problem Muqsa Mahmad Isur, just like by Nair, there's no problem Muqsa Mahmad Mius. He was just saying that it's Mutar Mutar, not that there's any connection in terms of the reason between them. The Gemara leaves that as unresolved. Rav Malkia equal the Bay Rabbi Simlai. Malkia went to visit Rabbi Simlai's house. V'tiltel shragel. He took a candle. He carried around a candle. V'ikpid Rabbi Simlai. Rabbi Simlai was upset about that. Why is he carrying around a candle on Shabbat? Yosi glila equal the Ashrei to Rabbi Yosi Rabbi Chanina. Another similar story. Rabbi Yosi from the Galil went to the house of Rabbi Yosi Rabbi Chanina. Tiltel shraga v'ikpad. Again, he carried around a candle. V'ikpad Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Chanina. Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Chanina was makpid about this. Oh, how is this that they're carrying around candles on Shabbat? Now, what type of candle? What are we talking about here? Rashi says, Ner Shekaba. They're talking about a candle that's blown out. 
Remember, Rabbi Shimon, even Rabbi Shimon agrees, if the candle is lit, that one may not carry it around. So the only way they could be carrying this around is it's near Shekabah, it already extinguished, and we're talking about a near that is a Kli Cheres. So if it's a near that is a Kli Cheres, they're paskening like Rabbi Shimon, that there is no Muksa Mahmat Mius. If there's no Muksa Mahmat Mius, they were allowed to carry it around. Obviously, those that were hosting them did not believe that that was the case. Rabbi Yobau, Ki'ikolatri, the Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, Rabbi when he went to the city of Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, have a metalto shraga, he used to carry the candle around. Ki'ikolatri, the Rabbi Yochanan, when he went to Rabbi Yochanan, said he loved a metalto shraga, didn't carry it around. Monofshoch, wait, what does he pass him like? Ika Rabbi Yehuda, Svirlei, if he passes like Rabbi Yehuda, Li'avid Ki Rabbi Yehuda, passing like Rabbi Yehuda. Ika Rabbi Shimon, Svirlei, Li'avid Ki Rabbi Shimon. Why is he inconsistent in his behavior? He passed in like Rabbi Shimon, that it's mutar to carry around this ner, the shikabat, does not apply. Good lesson for today. It's just basic respect for other people's positions. So yes, he didn't hold that it was a problem, but he knew that Rabbi Yochanan passed in like Rabbi Yehuda. So he didn't want in front of him, he didn't want to be matir. Obviously it couldn't be the other way around. Couldn't be that he passed him like Rabbi Huda, and when he was in front of Rabbi Shimon ben Levi, he carried it around because if he really himself believed that it was Muksa, just because of Kvodosh Rabbi Shimon ben Levi, he wouldn't carry it around. He wouldn't be matir because of that. But on the other way around, to be Oser, mitad, respect for Rabbi Yochanan, that we're willing to say. Now that's what Rabbi Yobod did. He passed him like Rabbi Shimon, but out of respect for Rabbi Yochanan, he didn't carry it around in front of him. I'm Rabbi Huda. Shraga de Mishcha Shari de Tultula. A candle that has oil in it, that's mutar to carry it around. The nefta asur the tiltula. If it's got nef in it, which we've seen before, is this oil-based fuel, some sort of nafta, which has a foul smell to it. It was one of the items that you're not allowed to light Shabbat candles with, that you're not allowed to carry around on Shabbat. Rashi says, when we're talking about a ner shell mishka versus a ner shell nefta, he says here, the misrach. It's disgusting. It smells. And even Rabbi Shimon believes that the only thing you use it for is burning. There's no alternative use for it. And therefore, even Rabbi Shimon would agree, this is moksa. So the way Rabbi Rashi is reading this Gemara is that this is in Shittat Rabbi Shimon. Ne'er show shemen. That means that a kli cheres that has shemen in it. There's no moksa machmat miyus according to Rabbi Shimon. That's why you can carry it around. On the other hand, nefta which is not simply about Muqsa Machlam use, but that it has only one purpose. The only purpose for the nefta is to use as a fuel, which is not useful on Shabbos, except for being a fuel. And even Rabbi Shimon will agree that that is Muqsa. You don't wait around to find out, get your extra nef, because you don't do anything else with it. So if that's the case, we have here Rabbi Shimon, a position in Rabbi Shimon, which says, oil, yes, naftalo. Rabbi Rabbi Yosef come along and say, Damri Tabayo, the nafta nami shari You can carry that around as well. Why? Gemara will ask that question one second. Rabbi Avyo, Iklo Lebei Rabbi. Rabbi went to the house of Rabbi. Rabbi Meisan Beikare, Betino. His feet were filthy. Whatever he had walked around, he came in the mud. He had dirt all over himself. Ativa Puriye Kamei the Rabbi. He decided, you know, he came, he sat down, he was a guest, sits down on his couch and puts his feet up on the couch. Those dirty feet all over the couch. Ikvid Rava. Rava said, I can't believe this guy. He comes in with all these dirty feet and pops them right on my couch. Pilot Sure. He wanted to cause him a little pain, difficulty, uneasiness, because he was upset about what he did to his couch. So Amarle, so he starts to ask some Shilas about this. My Tama the Rabbi of Rav Yosef. What's the reason behind Rabbi Rav Yosef's position? That even a candle that has neft in it 
you can carry it around on Shabbat, meaning that Rabbi Shimon would be matter in that case. Because you can use it to cover a utensil, another utensil. Not the oil itself, but the candle, the lamp that holds the neft, you can use to cover something. So says back to him, if that's the case, all those little pebbles that are outside in the yard, those shouldn't be muksa. Why shouldn't they be muksa? Because you can use them as a stopper for your jugs. If you use them as a stopper, everything is then practical on Shabbat. Even Rabbi Shimon agrees that when we're talking about the pebbles outside, those are muksa because they have no purpose on Shabbat. They, they're not within your world of Shabbat when you come in and you enter. They're like, something that's totally out of mind when you come into Shabbat. But the way you're formulating it is, if it has any use on Shabbat, then it's still within your world. So if you tell me that a lamp that holds nift in it is good to cover over a jug, then why aren't pebbles just as good to cover over jugs? They should also not be muksa. Big difference. One is a keli, one is a not a keli. A kli already has function without doing anything to it. Okay, it has a function that now focuses on Easter because of the nafta in it. But once it has a function already, if I can find an alternative use for it, then it stays within the world of Shabbat and it's not muksa. A pebble has no purpose. It's not a kli. It's an item that sits outside, something that's muksa because it has no purpose. You have to designate it in order to bring it into the world of Shabbat. Without a designation, it doesn't have function. So here we have something that's functional. And then you want to say it has an alternative function on Shabbat. That's easy to do. Something that has no function, and then to say that it has function on Shabbat, that we're not going to say, that we're not going to do. Samilo Tanyo, and he says he brings a proof to that. Isn't this true? Hashirayim v'nizamim v'tabaot. Hashirayim, as Rashi says, that's a dog bracelets. Nizamim, those rings. V'tabaot, and regular rings. Harihain kechol ha-kelim ha-nitalim They're like any other keli that you're allowed to carry around in the chatzer. What's the problem here? We're going to get up to this. We're not there yet. We're going to have to let her in the Masechta that women were not allowed to wear certain types of jewelry on Shabbat. They're not allowed to wear certain types of jewelry because we're afraid they're going to take it off in the Rishut Rabim. Whether it's because of discomfort or whether it's because they want to show their friends and show off, then they're a sur to go out on these things with Rishut Rabim because we're afraid that they're going to come and carry them on Shabbat. So here, despite the fact that these items are not permissible to use on Shabbat, what does it say here? It says, nevertheless, you're allowed to carry them around on Shabbat. They don't have a din of muksa. What, what is their purpose? What are you going to do with them? You can't do anything with them. You can't wear them on Shabbat. Why are you allowed to carry them around on Shabbat? matam. What's the reason you're allowed to carry these items around? Because they already have a shame kli on them. Since they have a shame kli on them, Therefore, they are allowed to be carried around, even though their purpose has been, in a sense, dismantled or removed on Shabbat, because you can't wear them as jewelry. You might be able to do other things with them, but you can't wear them as jewelry. Why are you still allowed to carry them around in the chatzir? Why are they not muksa? Because they're kli. They're a utensil already. Once they're a utensil, you can carry them around, because even though their primary purpose has been removed, they still have alternative purposes that you possibly could use. Hachanami. So let's say in our case also, O be'ika Torah t'kli alei. Am Rav Nachman ba'yitzach b'rich rochmano baruch Hashem de lo k'sifei rovo the Rav Avya. That Rav was unable to embarrass Rav Avya, even though he was upset at him, he was trying to embarrass him by asking these questions, but Rav Avya came up with a good solution to the problem to explain the position of Rabba and Rav Yosef. The question was relevant. It was topically relevant what he was asking about. He was talking about Muqsa Mahmud Bi'us to try to hint to him that this is Ma'us, what he did. Ravavya says, well, anything that's functional doesn't have a din in Muqsa Mahmud Bi'us. And therefore I'm okay. This is functional, so there's no Mi'us over here. 
I read the Gemara according to Rashi. Rashi says that this Gemara is a libid to Rabbi Shimon. The whole sugya here runs according to Rabbi Shimon. It's a question. Rabbi Shimon says, Ner Cheres with oil in it, permissible. Ner Cheres with naft in it, not permissible. And that's all according to Rabbi Shimon. It would make sense because it sounds like that and that's the way Rashi reads it. Tosafot first says it makes sense what Rashi is saying. The difficulty that Tosafot has is that we have a number of players in this Gemara. And all the players in this Gemara pass them like Rabbi Yehuda. That's Rabba, Rabbi Yosef, Rav. So now what are you going to do? You have a whole sugya here that's running according to Rabbi Shimon. And there are all the players here are discussing an issue which they don't even pass them like. Tosafot is reluctant to set up the Gemara here like Rabbi Shimon. If you set it up like Rabbi Yehuda, then you're in trouble. Because Rabbi Yehuda says, when it comes to Ner Yashan, that it's Muksa Mahmat Mius. Tosafot says, what I'll do to solve the problem is say that we're not talking about Klicheres. We're talking about Matechet. Talking about metal. And this is Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda agrees by metallic kelim that there is no muksa machmat mius. So therefore, mishcha, when you're talking about a menorah, of oil, that doesn't have a din of muksa because there's no mius by the menorah. When is it asur? When you light it, going into Shabbat. So what you have to say here was a case where they didn't light it going into Shabbat. There's a question, can you move around this menorah on Shabbat? Now there's no, no muksa machmat isur, there is no muksa machmat mius. Because it's metallic, there's no muse, there's no Easter because it wasn't lit. So over there, Rabbi Yehuda says, mutar. But nafta, even Rabbi Yehuda there agrees that it's problematic in a metallic menorah. And so Tosfat explains the Gemara slightly differently because of that, in order to avoid this problem of this whole Gemara being a libid Rabbi Shimon, players like Rabbi, Rabbi Yosef, that old paskin, like Rabbi Yehuda. Alright, so now the Gemara continues. Rami lay Abayi the Rabbu. Abayi challenged Rabbu. Tanya, we have a brighter. Motar Hashem in Shebaner B'Shikara Asur. Leftover oil that is in the lamp or in the bowl is Asur, Rabbi Shimon. Matir. Shimon says it's no problem to utilize that. Amo the Rabbi Shimon lay Muksa. Clear that Rabbi Shimon doesn't hold Muksa because he allows you to use this from oil that's left over. Firaminu. Shimon Omar. Kol she'en mumo nikar mi'erev yom tov. Ein zemina muchan. This goes back to Bechorot. When it comes to Bechorot, in order for a Kohen to be able to use the Bechor, he has to have it that there's a mum kavua in the Bechor that allows him to shecht it outside of the Mikdash. If it doesn't have a mum, it's a Bechor Tam. The Bechor Tam is required to be placed on the Mizbeach as a Korban. And then he gets, as the Balim, he gets a large portion of the Bechor off the Mizbeach. But either when there's no Mikdash, or he hasn't brought it up to the Mikdash, if the Bechor gets a mum, a mum kavu on it, which now precludes it from going on the Mizbeach, it becomes Mamona Kohen. It becomes the monetary possession of the Kohen, and he's allowed to do with it as he pleases. There's certain restrictions of how you shecht it and how you take care of it, but he's allowed to eat it. So now we know it's Yom Tov. On Yom Tov, Lochel Nefesh is Mutar. Now you're coming into Yom Tov, and this Bechor, is it considered to be Muchan? You have Bechor going into Yom Tov. Well, can you eat it on Yom Tov or can you not eat it on Yom Tov? Well, that depends it as a Mum Kavua or not a Mum Kavua. Why should it matter according to Rabbi Shimon? According to Rabbi Shimon, who says there's no Muksa, why does the Bechor need to have a Mum going into Yom Tov so that you have in mind to eat this animal? Even if it doesn't have a Mum in it, if it got a Mum on Yom Tov, according to Rabbi Shimon, that should be sufficient to allow you to eat it on Yom Tov. He thinks there's no Muksa. What's the problem with it not having a Mum going into Yom Tov? The problem is that it's Mikatsa Me'adat. Put it out of mind. But Rabbi Shimon doesn't hold the muksa. So over here, why is Rabbi Shimon's position, and it happens to be that Rabbi Yehuda is the Baal Machloket there who says just the opposite. But here you have Rabbi Shimon who says, Koshe'en mumoni karmi Erev Yom Tov. If the mum is not clear on Erev Yom Tov, it's not within the purview of the individual to use on Yom Tov. So how come there he's passing as if there is muksa over there? And Rabbi Shimon holds there is no muksa. 
says the two cases are comparable. As we said before for Rabbi Shimon, a person sits and waits. When will the candle go out so I can use the oil? And even with that, we differentiate it within the position of Rabbi Shimon. Remember, with the small lamp, we said he anticipates it extinguishing. Therefore, he has in mind for the oil. With the large lamps, we said even Rabbi Shimon agrees that the oil is muksa because he doesn't think it's going to extinguish over Shabbat. He thinks that it's going to go through a whole Shabbat. So therefore, he doesn't even think about the oil. So there, there's only one consideration. The consideration is, is it going to extinguish or not? We know it will extinguish because it's a small lamp. And therefore, he has anticipation to use the oil. Ha ha, there are too many ifs. Adam Yeshivu Mitzapeh Matayipol Mum Mum. You're right. Person sits around and waits to see when the Bechor will get a Mum so he can utilize it. Meimar Amar. Then he's going to say, Meimar Defalfei Bei Muma. Let's start with this. Number one, will the Mum happen or not? Vimtim Salomar Nafel Bei Muma. Even if it gets a Mum, Meimar Defalfei Bei Mum Kavua. Who says it's going to be a permanent blemish? Maybe it's only a temporary blemish. Vimtim Salomar Nafel Bei Mum Kavua. Even if it is a permanent blemish, who says he's going to find a chacham to be matir the bechor? Cohen has to take the bechor to the chacham to tell him that this mum is a mum kavua and to paskin that he's allowed to use it. So here there are too many what ifs for him to get there. It's too far a reach or stretch for him to have it in mind. It's like Gugro to Tzimukim for Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon says there are certain things that are not within your world on Shabbat. When it's too far-fetched, we know it's outside of your world. Like the case with the large candelabras where they're going to burn through Shabbat. It's out of mind. So even Rabbi Shimon agrees there are certain times we have muksa. This is a case because it's too far removed. There are too many what-ifs, and there are too many what-ifs. He says no-go. Even though Tosafot points out in the end that this is Lav Dafka. You don't need all of these what-if. Even one what-if would be enough here just because it's not a common occurrence. It's not a common occurrence and something that you just won't, you don't anticipate. You don't sit around and anticipate. A candle extinguishing is something that is normal and therefore you anticipate it. A before getting a mole is not a common occurrence. It happens, but it's not every day. And therefore, since it's an uncommon occurrence, that's something that you don't anticipate. It's not something you're going to look forward to. So, I said, Wait a minute. That's the answer you're going to give for Rabbi Shimon? A bow, a husband, can nullify the nidarim of his wife on Shabbat. And you can also get a heter. You can do hatarat nidarim on Shabbat for something that is necessary for Shabbat. For instance, someone says, takes an error, they're not going to eat. Take an error, they're not going to eat, they're going to end up fasting on Shabbat. So if you're talking about hatarat nidarim, that's tzorach Shabbat. the nether so that you can eat on the Shabbat. The Baal can be made fair, the nether, so his wife can eat on Shabbat. Now, what happened here? They took the nether coming into Shabbat. So when they came into Shabbat, for instance, where they took a nether not to eat, the food coming into Shabbat, that's outside of their purview now. That stuff should be moksa to them because they can't eat. Then all of a sudden on Shabbat, the situation changes. The situation changes where they get hafarat nedarim or hatarat nedarim on Shabbat itself. So when the situation changes on Shabbat... This is the equivalent of the Bechor case. Bechor case where coming into Shabbat, there was no anticipation, expectation that this would be within your world. And then you get a mum on Shabbat. Rabbi Shimon says, Muksa. Over here, we don't see Rabbi Shimon saying problem when you're talking about a nether coming into Shabbat. Why is there any anticipation of change on Shabbat? Wife should be thinking, who says that the husband is going to do this? Or be made for the nether? Hatam kidera pinchas now that's because of a pinchas shmeid rabba. Damar a pinchas shmeid rabba called no drot of that balah he no teret. It's an embedded condition in a nether of a woman is that she she's waiting for the acquiescence of her husband. 
She needs her husband to give the stamp of approval. And so built into the nether is an assumption that it might not last. It may not stay. It may not stick. She doesn't assume it's going to stick. Therefore, coming into Shabbat, the food is still within her purview. Because she says, maybe I will not have the nether come in. Maybe my husband was here and say no. So she's not mikatsa the food from her dad because she still has dad that the possibility this nether won't hold. It won't stick. Because she did it with a built-in condition that her husband might be able to undo it. So that works well for hafarat nidarim, where there's a built-in condition, like the husband. But what about hatarat nidarim? How are you going to deal with hatarat nidarim? Why is there a built-in condition in the nether like that? Who says you're going to find a chokham to be matir? Everybody here knows what we do on Erev Rosh Hashanah when you do a Tarat Nidarim. You don't have a chokham that's matir the neder. You have three hejoto, three lay people. Three lay people can be matir neder just like a chokham. So over there, it's not an anticipation of something that might not happen. It's very easy to get a Tarat Nidarim because you have an alternative. The alternative is to get three people to sit down and they can be matir neder. So if that's the case, then a person does think about the possibility of the nether being undone. Where it says, By the Bechor, it's a totally different case. Bechor, a hedgehog can't be matir Bechor. Only a chacham can be matir Bechor. Even though, technically, Beit Tichelot can't be matir Bechor when it's an obvious mum. When it's an absolutely obvious mum that everybody knows is, pro- is a mum kavua, then you get Beit Tichelot But in a regular circumstance, that's not the case. And therefore, you need a chacham. So those are very different cases. You have a problem here, you're... Will a chokham show up? Will it be matter? We don't know. That's not something you anticipate. So you don't anticipate it's muks according to Rabbi Shimon. By Hatarit Nedarim, you do have an anticipation that you can be matter the nether. There's always a possibility you can undo the nether, and it's accessible to you, because even if the chokham's not around, you can do it with three hejotot, there's always a way to get out of the nether. Mamilea, by the Rabbi Yosef. Miyama Rabbi Shimon, kavta mutar letautolo. Kavta in, lo kavtalo. If it's extinguished, yes. If it's not extinguished, no. My taima. What's the reason? What's the problem? We don't want you carrying around a lit candle, a lit lamp, because we're afraid while you're carrying it around, it will extinguish. Wait, we know Rabbi Shimon's principle. Shimon believes in Shabbat, something that's not intentional. It's not problematic. It's mutar legamre. Over here, are you intending to extinguish the flame? The answer is no. So if you carry around and it happens to blow out, that's davrashenu mitkavin on Shabbat, that's mutar. So why should Rabbi Shimon have a problem with you carrying out a lamp that's lit? Why should that be any different than a lamp that's not lit? A lamp that's not lit is not muksa. A lamp that's lit is also not muksa. According to Rabbi Shimon, you should be able to carry it around. What are you afraid of? It'll extinguish itself. That's Dovashenu Mitkave. That's Mutter, Rabbi Shimon, Lashitato. Titani, Rabbi Shimon, Omer. Gurir Adam Kisei Mitav, Safsal, Vajlid, Kavina, Sotcharitz. Rabbi Shimon, as opposed to Rabbi Huda, believes that you can drag around a chair, a bed, a bench... Even though there's a possibility that that might create a rut in the ground, you're allowed to carry them around because it's davar shenimit kavein. You don't intend to create the rut in the ground on Shabbat, and that's mutar. Kohecha dechimikavein. The Gemara answers any time when he did it intentionally. Iko yisura doraito. There would be an isur doraita. Kilo mikavein goes to Rabbi Shimon midrabonon. Then Rabbi Shimon's goes there and davar shenimit kavein derabonon. What's the doraita here? The doraita here is he carries on a lamp and extinguishes. That is a keyboy. Keyboy extinguishing is a dindo raita. So dindo raita, if you intentionally had extinguished the lamp, that would be a dindo raita. Therefore, Rabbi Shimon says, but davrashenu mitkavein in that case, osur mide rabbanon. But in a case, kohechadim mitkavein ika yisur de rabbanon, if you do it intentionally, there's only an yisur de rabbanon, kolom mitkavein shari Rabbi Shimon lechatchilo. There, Rabbi Shimon's mater lechatchilo in that case. So Rabbi Shimon has to look at the case where, if you did it intentionally, he didn't intentionally, there's an Isudor Raita. Then he says, if you did it unintentionally, Isudor Rabbanon. 
But in a case where if you did it intentionally, there won't be an issue de Rabbanon. Then when you do it unintentionally, then the, he says, Darvashayim Mitzkavin is muta de Gamre. So let's distinguish between the cases here. The case by the Nair, when you do the Kibwe, that's an issue de Oraita. The case of Kibwe is that it's extinguished. That's an issue de Oraita. What about the Mitas of Saul and the Kisei? Over there, it's Darvashayim Mitzkavin, he says, muta de Gamre. What happens if you did it intentionally? He did intentionally and dragged him made a charitz. Why isn't that an Isidoraita? The answer is, For the Mishkan, why did you dig into the ground? Either you're choresh, you're plowing, or you dug it to make the pit. Over here, when you make the charitz, you're not doing it to dig out the dirt, you're doing it to create the empty space that's there. That's Melachashen Srikhal Gufa. We know Rabbi Shimon believes, Melachashen Srikhal Gufa, that's only Osamide Rabbonon. So therefore, since also the Rabbanon was Darshan and Mitzkavein, Mutar the Gamre, Tos would ask right away, you know from the Mishnah and Bameh Malikin, what does the Mishnah and Bameh Malikin say about extinguishing candles? The Rabbi Shimon Matir. Rabbi Shimon says that extinguish a candle is always a Moloch Hashem Tzricha Gufa. When is it a Moloch Hashem Tzricha Gufa? There's only two instances. Pecham and Lahavhev. You want to singe it to make it into a wick. That's the only time that it's Moloch Hashem Tzricha Gufa. Otherwise, it's a Moloch Hashem Tzricha Gufa. Those who says, I don't understand the distinction that Mar is drawing. Even in Kiboy, it's a Malachashen Tzricha the Gufa over here. Those says, you have to answer that over here, that the case is a case where he's trying to make it into a Pecham, or he's making it into a Wick. That's the only way to explain this Gemara. Otherwise, the Ilushita Rabbi Shimon, it doesn't make sense. So, Meitiv, Rabba, Rabba brings the question, the same question we saw back in Bameh Madikin, which is, Mochrik Sut, Mochrim Kedarkan, Uvajloit Kavein. We know Dover Shemim B'tkavein is not just a din in Shabbat, it's a din in Bola Torah Kula, according to Rabbi Shimon. By Kilayim, these individuals are selling Kilayim to non-Jews in the Shuk. But the way they used to demonstrate them in the Shuk is that they were their own mannequins. They used to put on the clothing, put it on their shoulders to show people what it looked like. The problem is that he can't wear it because it's Kilayim. So Gemara says, They can do what they normally do, which is put it on their shoulders. It doesn't wear it to protect him from the sun, or to protect him from the rain. As long as he doesn't use it as a beget, he's simply doing it to demonstrate what it looks like, then he's, it's not functioning like a beget. If it doesn't function like a beget, then there's no Easter Kilayim. Easter Kilayim is only lovesh. If you wear it, you use it like a beget, you get hanoah from it. However, if he doesn't get hanoah from it, it's mutar, it's davashen mitkavein. He's not intending to get any use or utilization out of it. So we try to show it to the customers. They hold it up with a stick behind them so they don't actually have it on their body. But, ha ha ha, they keep Makavin. If he did it intentionally, if he put the bag on intentionally to protect himself, what would be the din? That's an Isudoraita of Kilayim. And if you don't do it intentionally, Rabbi says, no problem, that these Mokhle Kasut are allowed to do this. So your whole stipulation or premise here is not correct. Even when there's an issue to write, when you do it intentionally, Rabbi Shimon's matter the gamri, but Rabbi Shimon's gavain. Amarovo, hanach, the ner, shemen, uptila. When you're talking about the lamp, the oil, and the wick, hov, the nasib, bosis, the dovara asur. They are really supporting something that is asur. What are they supporting that's asur? Rashi tells us, we shall have it. The flame. The flame is a dovar isur. And now, the lamp, the oil, and the wick together become a bosis, the dovara asur. And when it says there, a bosu the davar asur, that's muksa even according to Rabbi Shimon. Shakli tafela shall have it, bodobo. The lamp becomes secondary to the flame, and not because he's worried about extinguishing, it's simply a problem of bosu the davar asur. And we know that Rabbi Shimon does hold the muksa when 
It's something that is completely muksa. So now, why does everything have to here be a basis? Because if the oil wasn't also a support of the flame, then the lamp would be holding the oil and the flame. Oil would be mutar. Flame is asur. You have a basis, the davar asur, mutar, mutar. So that's why the way it's formulated over here is that the lamp, the oil, and the wick are all supporting the flame. So if they're all supporting the flame, they all become a basis ledavar asur. They're supporting something that's asur. If that's the case, then like by the wheel on the mukhni. The wheel on the mukhni, when it had the money on it, that was a basis ledavar asur. There was nothing else on the wheel besides the money. You couldn't carry the wheel around because it's asur. That was Lushita Rabbi Shimon. So to over here, the reason Rabbi Shimon says you cannot carry around the lamp is because it's a basis the davar ha'asur. The bus is the davar ha'asur, not because of a chashash of kibbutz. It's davar shenu mitkavim by kibbutz. We don't worry about that. The problem is bus is the davar ha'asur. The Gemara will discuss now. We'll move into this sugya of bus is the davar ha'asur. We'll discuss that tomorrow.